From the pages of the Salt Lake Tribune, straight to your earphones, this is Tribune Sports Radio. Welcome to episode 41 of the Tribune Sports Radio. I'm your host, Ben Raskin. Uh, with us today, we have uh, one of the core four, Aaron Falk. Hey. Hey. <laughs> uh, Kevin Winter-Morris will be joining us in a bit, but special treat for the show today, uh, old friend of the Salt Lake Tribune and uh, current beat writer for the Los Angeles Lakers out of Orange County, Mr. Bill Orem. How you doing, Bill? Hello, Benny. Good I, to see you. I bought this shirt at a Bass Pro Shops in Oklahoma City the sweater it's awesome it's beautiful I, I, like, I like the elbow pads yeah <laughs> yeah because my luggage was lost <laughs> and i had to buy it and and i had to buy a size too small because everything in a bass pro shop like a large is a medium right yeah did that cause did that encourage you to like like maybe like hit the gym a little bit or, or go for a jog yeah of course yeah. of course to find my luggage i was running around <laughs> <laughs> how hard is it to eat well on the road I'll let Bill ask this. He's yeah, I kind of, I kind of have experienced both ways, where it's like I eat really well on the road and I lose a ton of weight during the season. And wow. you hear most beat writers say that they, they gain a lot of weight during the season, and it's like the off season's all about hitting the gym. I actually tend to do better during the season because I'm eating at restaurants a lot, and I find it's a lot easier to eat healthy at restaurants than than at home, where like I'm constantly snacking. So at a restaurant, I can order an entree, yeah. like get a salad with some salmon on it, as I did this afternoon at Lambs, and and it's it's like a healthy meal. Yeah. Um, whereas at home, like I. I'd like make myself a cheesy quesadilla and then I'd go back to the fridge and eat three more tortillas and, and maybe wa- and dump the and, and dip them in, in and, salsa and wash it down with a growler beer. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it's probably easier to eat healthy on the road in the second season because the first season, every stop you're yeah. like, I'm in Chicago. Yeah. What am I going to eat? We're going to be famous get, for? get some deep dish. You know, like in Philadelphia, you're going to eat a, a you're gonna cheese go to steak. Yeah. Yeah. Do, you guys, do, do, do you guys know the story of, of the time I went to my first time in Philly? Like you're talking about like the first time on the road. I'm in I'm in Philly. My first time there, it is my 25th, 6th birthday, maybe my 26th birthday. Uh-huh. And what was this, 30 years ago? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, uh, like it was November. Um, no, so it was, it was three years ago. And, and I'm with... Jonathan Reinhardt, the jazz communications director, vice president now, um, and he and he and I were going to go to Jim's Cheesesteaks because that's kind of the one that the locals say is yeah. probably the best. Like Pat's, Gino's, overrated, um, but but Jim's. So we go to Jim's, stand in line, get the cheesesteak, eat it, wash it down with like a soda, and I'm like, Jonathan, I'm going to tell you something. Like I could go for another one, <laughs> and he's like, he's like, you know, I kind of feel like I could too. So we've just eaten these just. Mo- monstrous, yeah, calories and, and and we <laughs> with whiz, and exactly. And it's like you, could, you always think you're hungry immediately after eating, and so I was like, "Well, we should get another one." So we just get in line. He's like, "Well, I mean, if we're gonna have another one, we should go to Pat's and Gino's or Pat's or Gino's." So we walk the two miles to Pat's or Gino's, the uh, iconic, like they're facing off, yeah. like they are on the Food Network, and which one did you go to? So we split up. Okay, I went to Gino's, and he went to Pat's. And then we split them, and so we each <laughs> so we ended up eating like having like a total of, of two cheesesteaks. So I had a full Jim's, a half a Pat's, and a half a Gino's. That was a big day. So how hard is it to eat on the road? Easy if you don't do dumb stuff like that. How bad was that game coverage that night? Uh, it was it was it was a little bit it was a little bit brutal. Yeah, I mean I've had some I've had some pretty epic like gut bombs uh-huh. over the years, like eating the super monster at Freebirds in Austin when I was in during an, doing an internship, like on a bet. Uh-huh. What like, is that? 
it's it's the it's the two monstrous um, tortillas, like I don't know, the eighteen inch tortillas, uh-huh. layered kind of overlapping, and then filled with all the meat, kind cheese, like a rice, diagram, right, and, and the, and filled. folded together with the guac and the queso, mm. and and there's a photo on the internet still um, of me holding this thing, and it looks like a child, <laughs> like and I'm like, is, ma'am, is this your baby? The no. kid from American Sniper. <laughs> <laughs> What's the uh, of, of all the cities that you've been to? Uh, what would you say has uh, offers the best uh, food for the reporters? Just in, in terms yeah. of uh, for the, you know when you go to the stadiums and stuff oh, like that. Oh. You know, like uh, who kind of gets it done every time? And, and you can all, you... Memphis's game meal in the press room. I think so. on a on occasion. I mean, they've the huh. times I've been there, they've they've done. You know, shrimp and grits. It's been like a yeah. It's kind of got a nice little you know local feel. Um, I think the Jazz actually do a pretty good job. Like that's always a pretty good meal. Um, some, I mean, I got it. would be easier to say like who the really terrible meals are, but I'm not sure that that's like. But there are some like there are certain places like you know if you're going to cover a Knicks game at Madison Square Garden, eat before you go to the game. Like there's you're in New York, the food is tremendous, and then in yeah. Madison Square Garden, it's just not reflective of what you would find around. Same the with garden. New Orleans. New or- New Orleans is the same. Like. Yeah. Um, I was uh, the second time I got to cover the bees, and uh, famously the first time I ended up on the doorstep because I, I didn't know what a deadline was. <laughs> but second time I went back there, and uh, the editor, the uh, sports editor here, Joe Barrett, said, "Yo, yeah, you know, uh, we'll give you another shot at doing it." It was also an afternoon. Wasn't that like a year later? <laughs> a year later. <laughs> it, oh, it was, it was one calendar year. Later. It took a minute. But um, uh, when I went back there, I was so excited for that press meal, you know, because you're sitting up in the box, and you know, it's like, oh, I'm gonna gorge and. The last time they had it there, it's probably why I missed my deadline. It was like a, a Bildrone nacho bar <laughs> with all this carne asada, and it was really good. They had steamed tilapia and rice on the night that I covered it. And I remember this entire moment just sort of like picking through the food and kind of like slamming the, the warming dishes the entire time. Going like, this is not why people get into freelance reporting. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'll tell you what. It, it's, uh, you know, get, in, get into journalism for the, for the sex, drugs, and rock and roll, not the free food. Yeah. I was, uh, so we haven't had a chance to talk about this on the mic, and uh, the 12 listeners we have is probably curious. How is it different working uh, down in Los Angeles covering the Lakers as uh, opposed to working for the Jazz or work, uh, covering the Jazz? Well, yeah, I mean, there's – it's obviously I'm, cov- I'm covering a worse team. <laughs> um, but, you know, you're really dealing with significantly different markets. Salt Lake City, there's two beat writers, Jody Genesee from the Deseret News and, and whoever the Tribune writer was. Now it's Aaron and Tony. It was me. Um but there's so many people just at every everything like average shoot around there could be 20 30 reporters okay. practice it, it's, it's so the, the access is a lot um, more limited it's a lot tougher to just get FaceTime one-on-one time with with a player a coach um, and that and that and that creates its own challenges so you have to be a little more creative about about how to get that access or what stories you're writing to set yourself apart because everybody's trying kind of chasing the same you know, run-of-the-mill information, who's hurt, who's playing, who's playing well, why is Nick Young's shooting percentage in the in the dumpster, things like that. So it just forces you to be a little more creative. I mean, at least it should force you to be a little more creative. That's something I you is know, strive to do. Is it literally a scrum after the game to try to get interviews? Yeah, I mean, I, uh, post-game, post-game's not that much different than anywhere else just because people are running around to do, to, to, to get their stories in uh-huh. and things like that. Um, the post-game locker room, though, there can be – like I don't know, Aaron around Gordon Hayward after a good game. Like how many how many rows of people are there around him? Two, probably two. Or, I mean, two. I mean, I three. Like ten people, kind of like hovering around him, or twelve. I mean, and it, yeah, it's probably. I mean, I've seen 
you know, 15. It, it depends on, on the night. It, it really fluctuates mm-hmm. how many people are here, honestly. Mm-hmm. And it's not just, I mean, obviously there are a couple of newspaper reporters and then a couple of, of you know, then all the radio stations have people there. And then there's the probably t- the TV. Roots, and then, you know, yeah, the Chaz you know themselves like, probably have, like, in-house uh, yeah, yeah. PR yeah. people, so too. So it, it can, I mean, you can get boxed out a little bit. But I no, imagine nothing like Kobe after a game. Yeah, by comparison, Kobe, I've seen four or five deep around him. So like, like 30 it, it, people. Yeah, and, and, and Jeremy Lin is often the same way um, for a couple of reasons. One, he has a massive international appeal. And two, um, he's a thoughtful, interesting guy to, to talk to. Absolutely. And, uh, and same with Nick Young because – I mean, these, these are guys, like, if they're talking, you probably need to be listening because they're going to say something that makes some news, particularly with Young and, um, and Kobe. With uh, going down to the Staples Centers with that, it's, it's, uh, are the games always sold out? Or is it, uh, what's the energy like at that arena versus – because on TV it's always weird because when the Clippers play, they have that seem like the house lights are on mm-hmm. and it just seems open and almost like a collegiate atmosphere. When you watch the Lakers, it feels more like a Broadway production. That's a great, that's a great observation. Um, you hear that a lot, um, that the, the Lakers games are much more of a, of a, of a show. Um, so it's like, who, who's there? Like, who are the celebrities that are there? Denzel Washington sits courtside um, sometimes. You see Ashton Kutcher and, and Jack Nicholson used to come to games, but I have seen him like three times this year. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I mean, it's much more production. The Laker girls are, you know, like really the only in-game entertainment. They don't do the really gimmicky things. They don't shoot T-shirts into the crowd. Uh-huh. It's like this very, like, this very, like, classy, dignified production. That's kind of how Dr. Jerry Buss Outside wanted. Outside of the basketball. Right, right. The basketball is 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 um, commensurate with, what would you say, collegiate? Um, yeah. And, it, the, and, and then the, and the Clippers games are, you know, much more of kind of your, your traditional, like, like lots of lots of people running around shooting things into the crowd, high energy. Um, but the Lakers kind of want the the glitz and glamour of the Laker tradition to kind of carry the show, and the fans are really into that. Yeah. Um, they've been selling out games this year still. Um, when Kobe was playing, especially, but I mean they had a, a several hundred game sellout streak end last year. Um, so they, and I'm not sure what they're at now. I, but they've you know regularly selling the place out, which is 19,000 people. With Kobe out right now, this is uh, basically the only storyline with him is his return in this new documentary he has on Showtime. Yeah, I think I think I think people want to know what Kobe's going to be like when he comes back for what is presumed to be his his final season. It'll be his twentieth, all with the Lakers, which will actually put him past John Stockton for the most seasons spent with one team. Wow. Um, so I think I think people are really curious to see at what level he's going to play, what his mindset is going to be, because when he came back um, after resting a little bit in December and was playing every other game. He, he seemed to have had like kind of a mental conversion where he was saying, I understand that I can't just dominate the ball. I need to, I need to try to pass more. And he, was, he had a 17-assist game, which yeah. was a career high. So he, was, he definitely seems to be open to kind of retooling the way he plays. I think people are curious to see if he's going to continue that when he comes back. And, you know, this documentary, I think Kobe's mindset is the most interesting thing, though, just going forward, like how he views himself. What I, what I do admire about Kobe Bryant is that he seems to have – the greatest understanding of who he is and what he wants to be and what he wants to convey of anyone I've ever met. What like, you, I, I've, I have no idea, like, who I am. Yeah, yeah. No, and I, I would see that. I mean, I've never met the guy, but I've seen him play on two mm-hmm. occasions and stuff, and he seems to have this magnetism. He has kind of like a, magnet, a magnetism about him where it's almost, it's not just because he's really good at uh, putting a basket in the ball, uh, the ball in the basket, but he looks like he's, he's a, a captain, a a leader of men to a certain extent you know i mean do you get that sense when you're uh, uh interviewing him or talking with him like he's just not saying one of our betters but definitely one of our uh i don't know uh this is awkward i'm getting instagrammed as we speak 
So, hey, Mom, you know, because we're at minute 12. And that's why it's a good time to welcome Kevin to the show. How you doing, KMO? Hey, Benny, how are you? So, welcome back, Bill. Welcome back to Utah. We've missed you. Thanks, Kevin. Aaron, I don't know who's been out of Utah longer. You were Bill. Welcome back. Why do, why do you get a handheld microphone? Like, you're the MC. Like, you're going to start, like, dancing across the stage, like, and break out in song? Apparently, uh, Benny thinks I need the arm strength back to hold it up. Yeah, I don't know. That's yeah. what he's So, no, but I mean, like, he's got, what's really? he like in the locker room? Is he, is he kind of a commanding person, or is he withdrawn, or when... When you're talking about it as a guy who kind of knows who he is, like how does he convey that? Yeah, I mean he's he's ext- he's his own, um, he has his own orbit. Like the way the guy moves, like people just like people move for him. They create space for him. He walks around with his headphones on. He's not he's not a conversational guy. Like he goes about his business, but it, um, he doesn't spend a lot of time hanging out in the locker room. You don't see him like just sitting around chatting with with his teammates. Like he kind of he kind of um, sticks to himself. Um, which does it have something to do with his age? What is he like? Thirty-eight. Thirty-six. Thirty-six. How old are you? I'm um, forty. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he's made more money than I have. That is true. I don't know. You do have four years on him. Are you, are you entirely sure? Uh, I'm sure I own more property than he does. <laughs> <laughs> can you can you tell the Swaggy P story? Oh my gosh, uh, that Swaggy P story, the one in Portland when yeah, I oh gosh the evolution of. Yeah, so everybody knows, I mean, I hope maybe people listening uh, need a refresher, that Nick Young, who is the sixth man for the Lakers, is is nicknamed Swaggy P. Did not know that. Really? I did not know that. Oh. Swaggy P. It's yeah. very, it's, 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 beca- it's, his whole image now is, is Swaggy P. It is uh, like his alter ego with the, the Chris Rock and, uh, what was it, uh, Orlando Magic, uh, Little Penny? No, it's, like, no, it's like very serious. It's Shady? Like, it, it's... It's a little more like Slim Shady, but really it's just like it's what this guy called it, started calling himself, and now everybody calls him Swaggy P. He doesn't, hasn't really explained what it is. It's a bit of a nod to his style, but it's, it's, a, it's from a, a nickname that his father, yeah, right. his very stylish father had. <laughs> um, so N- Nick is Swaggy P, and we were in Portland a month and a half ago, mm-hmm. and I wanted to talk to Nick about how his – his shooting slump, I want to get this right, but like how his shooting slump had kind of affected his um, personality. His, yeah, his, per, his persona. Like, yeah, it's just like the swag city, the swagginess. Right. Yeah. So, so swagginess is, is probably a good jumping off point because I asked him, I was like, hey, Nick, like, as you've gone, gone through this, what's been the evolution of your swaggy penis? <laughs> and he looked at me and I was aghast because I just asked him about his swaggy penis hyphen n-e-s-s like like kind of like your aaron falkness your benjamin raskin-ness but, but I, swaggy penis I, like, <laughs> and so it ended up being like one of those just really classic moments and i was like it was so fortunate that the um the lakers tv had just walked away because otherwise like i'm on i'm on deadspin maybe still the most red thing on deadspin i don't know what was the answer i mean he was like he was like oh man i can't even I can't even answer. I can't even answer normal questions. Like you got me asking me weird. Nah, and I'm just like. And so I was like, I was. So I rephrase. I'm like Nick. What I'm trying to say is like how you, like your persona, has been affected by. And and like he was like, ah, oh, all right. And so then he like, but it was like it was so awkward. It was it was me, Mark Medina from the Los Angeles Daily News, and Baxter Holmes from from uh, from ESPN, and they both just died. And I'm I'm sure I was just beat red. Who's the most approachable Laker? There, you know, there's several who are really approachable. Um, a lot of the younger guys, a lot of guys who are on one-year contracts, minimum deals, um, 
don't have that same standoffishness that a lot of more veteran guys like Carlos Boozer, for example, like, you know, really well-liked teammate, but not a, not a really approachable guy to the media because he just kind of does his own thing. Um, approachable, Wayne Ellington, really nice guy, um, very down to earth. Robert Sacre uh, went to Gonzaga and is the starting center. And uh, Ronnie Price, Salt Lake City resident. Yeah. He's great. Out for the season now with an elbow spur that he had removed this morning. Um, other really approachable. Nick Young's really approachable. I mean, Nick has his, like, kind of his agenda and the jokes he wants to make. But, like, you know, he's probably the one who is most willing to just sit down and kick it with you. Yeah. What is uh, – uh, same question to you there, Falk, uh, the Utah Jazz. Which is a, which, who's the one, to, uh, one go-to guy you can always get a good quote from? Um, honestly, I, I think – you know, Trey Burke is is probably mm-hmm. up there. Just just he seems to have a I mean a level of honesty and and thoughtfulness, and he's he's someone who says, "What did you say?" If you didn't hear the question, <laughs> which is not you know what I mean. Not everybody not everybody says it. Some guys just you know I'm just gonna get some say something, and you know my momentum will carry me. Um, but he, no, he's he's good. I mean, they're all. They're all approachable, mm-hmm. you know. They're all kind of young and, and you know, nice guys. I mean, at, at this at this point now, just barely, um, Gordon Hayward and Derek Favors are, are starting to get that. Like, get get so many more requests than other guys that their uh, availability is being limited a little bit more than mm-hmm. than um, the rest. Like, they they're only they'll only talk and shoot around instead of shoot around in pregame. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Whereas Kobe will go like when he's playing, will go days without talking. Like yeah. he'll talk after every game, but like there's there is no talking to Kobe at shoot around. There is no talking to Kobe pregame. He is mandated by the league to to talk one of those times every day. That doesn't happen because he's Kobe and he has his own rules. Have you had a chance to meet LeBron James yet? To uh, find meat, like I, <laughs> got I, out for a drink. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, we, 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 we like stuff. Yeah, we like. He, te- we, he we, sent Bill a text. We're, we're, where should I go? What, where should I sign? We're we're, we're, <laughs> we're Snapchat friends. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, like I've been around LeBron a little bit, but just a very limited basis. Like he does his pregame available or his postgame availability, or um, he would talk post shoot around on the road sometimes, which is amazing because Kobe never. So. It, kind of taking the opposite of what Ben was asking uh, and define it however you want. Who would you say is the least approachable person you've dealt with in the NBA? For both of you. For the biggest jerk. I'm not going to say I'm not going to say the biggest jerk. Just least approachable. Who's the coldest shoulder you've seen? Uh, The toughest to approach. I think the toughest nut to crack for me has been um, has been Carlos Boozer. Just because he he's very savvy with the media and he's very good at like saying things that gets a lot of reporters to like nod their heads, be like, okay, great, thanks, Carlos, but it's not it's not necessarily like a genuine answer, and so you're not really getting at what he might actually feel. So I just think that like if tr- actually getting him to like open up is 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 a, is a tough one. Um, Kobe is actually pretty approachable in the sense that like if he talks after a game and you want to talk to him about him something like kind of for a separate story, like. Like he'll stand up, he'll talk to you for as long as his interest is held, or he thinks the conversation is mm-hmm. is is meaningful. And um, you know, and I think Carlos will do that as well. But Carlos is just not a he does not he does not really lower the lower the wall for reporters. I'll I'll say I'll share this story. <laughs> I don't know I don't know who's I mean I I've had you know 
basically success anytime I've gone to Oh. Um I've had success basically anytime uh I've gone, you know, searching for somebody to to chat with like spe- specifically. Mm-hmm. Um but I w- <laughs> when the Nets came here <laughs> a, a couple of weeks ago, a month ago, I don't I don't know, I've lost track of all time. Um Darren Williams was hurt, right? Uh-huh. So he has he has no obligation to speak to reporters. He's hurt. I mean, that's that there are rules, right? And you, you know, you can live by them. But um, are these unspoken rules or are these? No, 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 no. These are mandated. Yeah, there are. The NBA has rules that a right. player would, you know, if, if if Darren had been healthy, he would have theoretically. And, and Bill mentioned, you know, Kobe not subject to these rules necessarily, and, and a lot of stars aren't. But uh, that he would have either had to talk, you know, pregame or or uh, shoot around. But so yeah. he's hurt. So he's not he's not subject to this. But he is in Salt Lake. He's he lives here. Like he's a local. Yeah. So he's he still lives here. Yeah. In yeah. the summer. Yeah. 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 Oh, get, yeah. Shut the front door. His the front door at his residence here. It's, it's yes. probably it's, shut. Mail it's gets pro- delivered to that front door shut here in Salt Lake City. Yes. <laughs> so he's here. He's you know like he sees Memo occur. He like you know he's takes some pictures with with Memo and like he's talking with some people. And Tony Jones and I are are walking down the hallway and Darren walks like walks past and says he says like hey or, or whatever and and tony stops him and goes so darren uh you think you might have a second to chat with us before the game and darren goes you know me better than that <laughs> <laughs> darren was always a tough one he was a man about town i remember seeing him at a liquor store uh, <laughs> <laughs> i hope that's the end of the story like i just wanted to stop right there no, I, I remember he was debating on a, uh, a big liter of Grey Goose or a bottle of uh, Chirac, and uh, he was holding it in both hands, kind of processing between the two. And I so he bought both? No, no. So I had to so buy the liquor store. <laughs> <laughs> so he bought the liquor. No, I remember going up there going, like, oh, for once I actually have something I could say or contribute to this guy. I'm like, oh, you should get the Chirac over the Grey Goose. And as I went moving up towards him, he basically puts the Grey Goose down, and then he shoots a look like almost like a dog saying, like, I will bite if you come closer. <laughs> you know? But he did throw me the peace sign in the parking lot. So, you know, I feel like it was a connection. You know, Liquor uh, store one? Uh, four, no, we're talking the, the, the dicey one, 200 west, 400 south. Oh, I mean, wow. That's the, the wine store. Is that number one? I think it is liquor store number one, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I was thinking of the, the – yeah. No, that, that is liquor store yeah. number one. Dicey. Dicey liquor store. Who would have thought one of the diciest liquor stores you could find would be in Salt Lake City? It's, well, uh, I mean, given given that, that, that you have to, like, go, like, dri- drive an hour to get from liquor store to liquor store, it's going to attract a, a diverse clientele. Hey, so where's the worst place to travel to for you from out of Los Angeles? Like, uh, what's the one town, not because of the players or the team or the arena, but what's the one that you just go to grit your teeth? Is it all cross country to Boston? No, Is no. Memphis, Toronto, Toronto with customs. I, oh, I love Toronto. It's my favorite city in the league. Or it's really close to my favorite city in the it's league. Great. Detroit. Um, Detroit's Detroit. T- Detroit is a challenging city to travel to. Why is that? Because the arena is about 45 minutes or mi- might be 45 miles from, from the airport. Yeah. And so you. So it's out in the. Yeah, and and so and so if you are if you're like especially if you're on a back to back, it's very difficult to decide whether you want to stay, out by the airport and commute from the airport to the game and then drive back all the way back after the game. But and then I tend to book a lot of early flights, so it's like, or do I stay out by the arena so I can get to bed quicker, but then get up earlier to drive all the like mile like I mean the miles and miles. Amenities around the Detroit Stadium. I mean it's in a it's it's in a suburb. I mean it like there's a really crummy. Italian, no, 
maybe sort of Italian place uh-huh. ac- across the street from the palace. And I went in there just randomly a- uh, after shoot around, and um, the entire the entire front office of the of the Pistons was there having lunch with Woj. So I was like, "Look at him! He's working." Let's see the magic unfold. What's uh, what's what's a good? How's Minnesota? I like Minneapolis a lot. Yeah. I mean, that's a great city. I, you know, I, there's not a like people. NBA writers love to talk cities. Their favorite cities are least favorite cities. They rank cities, and everybody's like, "It's like, oh, what do you think of?" Like, and Salt Lake City, for example, gets a bad reputation on account of not 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 a lot of great like clubs not a not the best like place for going out you know and it's a bad reputation because i lived here clubbing beat writers (laughs) (laughs) as i you know meet all these guys like oh man the nerds look at every one of these guys like don't go to the club (laughs) (laughs) so bottle service (laughs) so um bottle service that's a story um but but um a lot of guys will be like, oh, Memphis, bottom three. Oh, New Orleans. Like, San Antonio, bottom three. Sacramento, bottom three. And, like, honestly, like, I can have a good time for one or two nights absolutely anywhere. Yeah, like, yeah. I know a bar I want to go to in basically every city. Detroit I really haven't figured out yet just because of, like, I've stayed in both places, airport, arena. Like, it's tough. But um, You go to Rochester Hills, it's, like, ten minutes away from the arena. I went to um, Oakley University when I had an afternoon there and walked around and took a picture of the Golden Grizzly statue. Oakland, not what, what, Did I say Oakley? I'm sorry, I meant Oakland. Fighting, yes. Yeah. Fighting Oaklands. Yeah, the fighting Oakland's Golden Grizzlies. I, at least I got the mascot. It's like I was sure. like the, yeah. the. It wasn't like it I was, was like the, yeah. the the Grizzly Golden Girls right. or anything like that. Yeah, so when you stay for Golden State, where do you stay at then? Because I went and saw Pearl Jam there two years ago, and that uh, that Oracle Arena, that's in a dicey part of town. Yeah, I, I tend to stay in Oakland. Um, a lot of writers like to stay in in San Francisco. Then I, 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 in. I just think the cost is not worth Marriott, it for one for one night. Yeah. It's so expensive, and so like if you want to stay at a Marriott downtown, like in Union Square, it's like. It can be close to 300 bucks, and it's like I have one night and I like maybe just a few hours to go out in San Francisco, so it's not really worth it. I would rather just stay in Oakland, um, and, and I, I, like, I like Oakland. I like Oakland. It's fine. No, I like Oakland too. Did you um, see a dead body there? I did see a dead body there. <laughs> I was I was I was at the Chipotle. <laughs> was it caused by Chipotle? Probably. <laughs> um, no, I pro- probably did not order the proper burrito bowl. Um, but no, there was like it was like. In the parking lot, there was this whole taped-off thing, and then just this person lying there. And I was, turned on the radio to see if there was any news, but there wasn't. It was well, nice of him to leave part of the parking lot open, at least. Exactly. You know, I mean, like, how, how, else would, how else would you get your killer Mexican food? That's Speaking of which, I have not made it to the Red Iguana yet on this trip. <laughs> how was that for a segue, you guys? Um, um, so if anybody wants to go to the Red Iguana later. I have a uh, Oakland story about uh, potential dead bodies. Yeah. By the way, we've got two Oaklands into the, like, one minute of conversation, Oakland, California, and yeah, Oakland University. So, yeah. so the second to last time, I've been out to Oakland twice in the last year. We went out to go see that aforementioned Pearl Jam show, and uh, aforementioned. Our, uh, so we were talking about uh, we were talking about trying to find the best place close to the arena, so we can just go to the show and then come back to the the, the motel or hotel and stuff like that. So we get, I think it was a Holiday Inn or like a <laughs> Motel Six. The Motel Six, the had, Hotel Motel, the Hotel Motel Holiday. Motel, Holiday Inn. <laughs> It place literally had razor wire around the. Uh, they had like ten foot cinder block walls with razor wire. That's on what top you want to see. Okay. Like that, that that that's key. Yeah. So we check into the uh, the motel and we're going to take the Bart into San Francisco. Well, at the exact same time, the Raiders just got their butts kicked by the Tennessee Titans in football because we'd flown in on a Sunday afternoon. So it's like five o'clock. The one o'clock kickoff was finally breaking. We're trying to get onto the Bart. As we're walking down there, the smell of marijuana is everywhere, you know. And then there's these guys wearing these like skull bandanas around the front of their face, like almost like these hold-up masks and stuff. 
And uh, my lady friend at the time, who you know works in drug and alcohol counseling and this, that, and the other, she raises her hand up like she's in, you know, she raises her hand up and like points. He goes, I think he's selling drugs. And I remember like pushing her hand <laughs> down. And then she looks over there and he goes, I think he has a gun. <laughs> and so I push her hand down. And then the third one was, I think he's in a gang. And you look at this guy. And I mean, he was at a central casting, you know. Uh, it was right out of Boys in the Hood, you know. But anyway, <laughs> timely reference on that. But uh, I don't know. I, I love Oakland. Uh, Oakland. <laughs> <laughs> Oakland, Oakland's, Oakland's great, man. Like, um, I was there in October, no, November, and I found a really cool, like, Asian place that was open until, like, 4 o'clock in the morning, right across from Jack London Square. Jack London Square is cool. There's, yeah. the, there's like, the first bar in Oakland or whatever that's the, the, the one that's... It's a bit touristy down there, but it's cool. But yeah, but they've got the little bar that's, like, it's tilted because of the, the flooding or the earthquakes or nature of some kind. But like the the bar the bar is the bar is on a is on a slope because it's it's yeah whatever anyways but uh, so I, I have one or more city I'm gonna have you ranked and we'll move on to some other stuff here but uh, Sacramento Sacramento Ar- is it still the Arco Arena uh, it's sleep train, sleep train. but okay. but there is actually there, there are three different signs on your way in there's still signs that say Arco Arena okay. and there's still signs that say Power Balance Pavilion and there are signs that say Sleep Train Arena so as you head <coughs> westbound on I eighty to get out there. I mean, it's a good it's a good chunk of change away from Sacramento itself, right? You know, it, it, it is mileage wise, but Sacramento is so easy that it's like it's maybe a fifteen minute drive, which is so much more comfortable than trying to figure out how to get to the arena or park at the arena at in Miami, which is so, run by the Gestapo. So, where's the three things you do in Sacramento? Where do you get to eat? Where do you get a drink? And what do you see? Um, For people who've never been there before, Sacramento, I will um, I'll find lunch downtown somewhere. Um, that's not a great. It's not a great. But I'll, I'll I'll find like I'll Yelp place with whatever meal I'm going for. I went to a spot for late night dinner with Sam Amick from USA Today, who lives there. Um, like Inks, is that? Have you been there, Aaron? It's uh, Inks, I think I it was think called. So. If you're playing along at home, one more, and Bill had dropped every name in the NBA. I think that true. Was, I think that for was those playing <laughs> for those playing. No, I'm just saying that like Sam <laughs> Sam took me there, so it was a local spot. Okay, uh, and and um. <laughs> Wow, that was really rude, Ben. Oh, oh. Wait, wait to just take the air out of the podcast. <laughs> this thing's been deflated since we hit the fat report. Where do you get a drink at? We're just waiting for someone to mention Ben's mom. I think, I think that, Inks, have. that Inks place uh, would get a drink. I, I, the, I mean, my best story about drinking in Sacramento involves another name, if I may. <laughs> Please. But um, a couple of years ago, I was covering uh, Lakers at Clippers, and mm-hmm. Ben Bolch from the Los Angeles Times was going to cover it. I don't think you'd mind this, me sharing the story. Um, he will never know. <laughs> um, is he one of how our 12, dare is he you, one sir? Of our Thirteen listeners. So, so he um, he was coming up. He was going to fill in for Mike Bresnahan covering the game in Sacramento, and I was coming in the night before, and he was going in the day of. Come on, drop a third and, name into this story. And, Come on. And and he said, "Hey, you know, like we're going to be up in Sacramento. We're going to have the night after the game. Like, why don't like if I send a couple of bottles of wine, like we could like like the writers could drink some wine post game. He's a big. He's a he's a." Uh, a wine aficionado and so he's like would you mind like taking it up and checking a bag like i'm not gonna have time to check a bag i normally don't check a bag but in this circumstance i thought yes so i told pete the uh the the delta attendant no i'm kidding but that was can i drop names of like delta employees (laughs) absolutely Um, it's expected if you want first class service so so i I took the wine up and ben shows up the morning for shoot around and he's just like i don't feel well like my heart's racing. I, I feel like I might have a heart attack, oh, wow. and it's like, oh my gosh! So he ends up going to Instacare. He's sick. Um, to just like 
kill any tension here. Like he was fine. Like after a day, he was, he was healthy, but he ended up not being able to cover the game that night. And so we ended up um, at my hotel. Me, Dave McMenamin, Mark Medina, and me. And we had these two bottles of red wine that Ben had sent up that we were all going to drink. And so we ended up, you know, just drinking it, the three of us. And Mark Medina apparently got just, like, a little, enough buzzed that on his way out of my hotel room, because, like, I had a little couch area, on his way out, he picked up what he thought were his car keys. But they were my rental car keys. <laughs> so the next morning, I'm getting ready to go to the airport. And I'm like, cannot find my keys. And I tear the room apart. Like, you can just imagine me, like... Like the couch cushions are overturned, oh, yeah. and so oh, I'm I, sure I, you handled it with grace. And so I, I <laughs> so I text, I text, I text uh, Dave and Mark, and I'm like, "Hey, do you guys know where my keys are?" And Dave's like, "I have no idea." And Mark's like, "No, no idea." But then he like, "Oh, I just looked at my bag, and I, I definitely have your keys." <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, well, can you drop them by?" And he's like, "Oh no, I'm at the airport, about to board my flight." Like, and he didn't, and I'm like. So I call Hertz, and I'm like, what do I do in this situation? And they're like, well, you'll have to pay for the car to be towed. And um, so it was kind of a disaster. But oh, my Lord. It was, I mean, Mark had the keys, so I was able to mail them back. And so I didn't, like, have the lost key fee. But so what's that's, the, that's my drinking what's in Sacramento What's the lesson learned story. on this? Um, Stay don't, away from red wine. Don't let Mark Medina near your car keys. All right. Uh, question. What makes for the perfect bachelor party? <laughs> I don't know yet. Uh. What would you think is makes for the best bachelor party? I would say um, you go to a city where people are excited to go, where you have a lot of um, elements, like different different activities. So it's not just one thing where it's not just drinking in bars. It's not just hanging out on a boat. You want a little bit of uh, variation. Bars and, and a boat. <laughs> <laughs> about it's not just the two things that everyone thinks about when they think of a bachelor party. Boats and bars. <laughs> But my point is that you want to have like kind of all of the things that you might want to do available and, and convenient. So I think a, a city like New Boats Orleans and bars. I think I think I think a city I think a city like New Orleans um, be water adjacent. A, a city like a city like Austin comes to mind would be good for a bachelor party. Power rank three. What are the three top NBA cities to have a bachelor party if you're doing a destination bachelor party? Uh, New Orleans, Miami, and Cleveland. This is hard because, like, this third one, I want to not screw up. It's important. Um, New Orleans I, for obvious reasons. Miami for obvious reasons. Right. I mean, L.A. would be really great if it wasn't where I lived. Um, New York, if you could figure out how to afford it. Like, I think that would be a fun town to, like, kind of to kind of bounce around with a, with a dozen guys for a weekend. That would be a lot of fun. Um, now, um, does Vegas count as an NBA town? The, no, Lakers, the Lakers play a preseason game there every year. Yeah, it should. I, uh, I was going to throw this one out. Portland. I love Portland. Good I can't. I, I can't. I can't argue. That's yeah, water, Jason. <laughs> That's funny. Why? Why is that? Why is that so funny? I don't like, know. Because I, like, I, I, like, I, I would. When I. I would never in a million years. I mean, I understand. Like I've, we've talked about your bachelor party, but like when people think bachelor party, no one thinks about a boat. No one's like <laughs> unless it's wait, motor wait, right, boating. You <laughs> <laughs> have a bachelor party. Oh, right, I better. I better brush up on my swimming and get the, the lifeguard I, certified. But, but the idea is like I'm going to a bachelor party in June, and it's it's. It's a Tahoe. Like it's like so. Like I think like people going. Good water. Good water there. <laughs> Tahoe's great. But I think I think like having your bachelor party like at a lake house is not an uncommon sort of idea. True. It it isn't. And I think that 
that's a good plan to have one there. So that's why I'm gonna have a bar nearby though. That's why I'm saying that. But, but right, like you don't just right. want to like be like beach house, like you know, drinking out of a cooler all weekend. You want to have some variation. So that's why I said like Austin, which I mean, just to, to spoil the the story here, I'm having my bachelor party um, okay. later this year in Austin. Like we can say that. I Everyone's think. invited. Yeah, just uh, d- d- yeah, uh, come to Austin. So, on the weekend of May 22nd, but I'm not telling you anything else. So Kidding, there will be, we'll be at bars and on a boat. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> which boats? That's the question. That's for, that's for our listeners that's to find out. We'll, puzzle, we'll the piece USS together the clues. Bill Orem. So uh, May 2nd, Pacquiao and uh, Money Mayweather, they're finally doing it. Is it three years too late or five years too late? I know Aaron watches a lot more boxing than I do, so he probably has a better perspective than I do, but like um, – I feel like three years ago, it still would have been the the real premium fight, and, and look, it's gonna be it's gonna be it exciting. Is, it's it's still it still yeah, is I mean, it's still that's what I'm saying. But it's not gonna be it's not going to be like the like it could have been an all time fight, and maybe it will be. I don't know, but like this is like the first mainstream boxing conversation in a long, long right, time, right. though. I mean, but in terms of like the quality of the fight, right? Like, it, it, as much I, as I want to talk about Tim Bradley all the time, we're not talking about Tim Bradley. <laughs> You know, you don't I, think so? You no, know, we're not. You don't you know? think ESPN was cutting <laughs> in on Tim Bradley? You know, and like, uh, as much as I want to talk about Alvarez, we're not talking about Alvarez, <laughs> you know. And the Klitschko's, everyone's tired of that. For the first time in a long time, you know, I think this is a fight that uh, it's almost becoming appointment watching, you know. But the problem is that it's still, I feel like it might be two older gents getting into the ring that, I'm not saying past their prime, but I would have liked to have seen this three years earlier. I feel like I know Floyd because he comes to so many Laker games. Mm-hmm. With it, with have the, you met him before? Um, no. I mean, I've. I've been in. I've is been it in. True, he has a hat guy. Like in the same way, Nick Young has a shoekeeper. No, I'm talking about when he meets people, he gives them a money hat. Okay, so I don't know that he g- just gives out hats like willy like, nilly. But, but but when we were at a game in Phoenix, he was there courtside, mm-hmm. and as soon as the game was over, Isaiah Thomas, formerly of the Phoenix Suns, <laughs> before being traded last week, walks over to Floyd, and Floyd has a stack of like 15 hats. He just hands him. So that did happen. Like it wanted some. TMT yeah. swag, um, but it's amazing. Like you, when you know when Floyd has shown up at a Laker game because, like you see, you see start start seeing like twenty big burly dudes decked out in TMT gear. It's it's just and then it's like then you look for the very small one and it's like oh there's Floyd <laughs> next to Kevin Hart. Have you seen uh, Justin Bieber next to him yet? I don't think I've, I don't think I've ever seen the Biebs at a game. I was in Miami though last year two years ago on the same night he was busted for um, the drag, drag racing. racing. Yeah. yeah, that night I was in Miami. Have, had a very good like fried chicken southern thing. What was the, uh, the the next day's paper involving uh, Justin Bieber and the drag strip racing? Um, I don't remember. I don't know if I picked up the Herald that day. Yeah. I don't. I don't remember. Do you think he? Uh, do you think he should be deported back to Canada? <laughs> I don't know. I got nothing. I had no follow up on that one. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't think. I don't think um, a person like Justin Bieber deserves a city as great as Toronto. Ah. That may very well have been one of the best sports bets I ever saw during the Olympics when the U.S. played Canada and multiple people said, loser takes Bieber. <laughs> that, that was tremendous. Never, never met him myself. Oh, that's surprising. Very unfortunate. <laughs> which, which, um, which international uh, uh, pop moguls have you hung out with? I'm glad you asked. Cam was uh, a big Drake guy. That's true, yes. Speaking of Toronto. I was uh, – so back to money, May- money Mayweather. So, are you excited for this fight, Falk? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I would, I would pay the ridiculous what is pay-per-view it? fee. I'm sure it's buck fifty. Yeah, it's got to be hundred fifty. I mean, are you do it on the big screen in, in your basement? 
Uh, no, I think we're we're going elsewhere. I think it's uh, our friend uh, Mr. Baker yeah. might be uh, doing something crazy for this. That would be David A. Wait, A. David A. a David, David Baker, Baker. Yeah. on Twitter. Yeah. Follow him. Yeah, <laughs> actually, don't. <laughs> I wouldn't. Speaking of following people on Twitter, do people know where to find you guys on Twitter? No, we always sign off with that. Oh, okay. I, just, and I don't know. I've never been on the we're, podcast. We're getting before. close to wrapping this up, but. Um, that, that, that's putting a lot of trust in people to make it to the end of this conversation. I, my experience with people who get past the first seven minutes usually listen to the entire thing. It's both of them. Or they, yeah. they, they All least, three of them. They, they at least let, let, let it play like and th- through, through the end of their nap. Well, <laughs> they forget to hit the sleep timer on, on their iPhone before they do that. Uh, where are you heading after this? Uh, not just to the uh, across the street to ESA, but uh, where is the road taking you? Um, I'll be at home. Um, the register, I don't think I'm going to hit up all the remaining road games just because at this point with the season um, there's not a ton of value in being on the road with the team so I will be probably watching the remaining I think there's 10 more road games I'll probably watch those from home and then uh, I'll be at Staples Center and uh, I have another question it's a little more of a depressing question if you don't mind but uh, aren't they all yeah but uh, David Carr he passed a couple yeah. of weeks ago uh, what did he mean to you like you know, uh, which what do we just for those that don't uh, talk talk a little about who he was and uh so for our two listeners at this point, so um, yeah, like I had I had a somewhat strong reaction to David Carr dying. He's obviously the media columnist, the New York Times. Really interesting backstory. Um, he was he was the focus of the documentary, page one mm-hmm. uh, about the New York Times. And I was actually not familiar with 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 him or his work until that movie first came out. And we watched we had a screening of it here at the Tribune in the conference room, and you know it was very became very enamored with him. And 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 since then have really had read a lot of his work documenting uh, the media industry and, and spe- specifically newspapers and, and kind of some of the strange things that happened in newspapers. He'd written extensively about the Register and always with such like such authority and humor. Um, you know, I'd come to really uh, hold him uh, in, among you know the highest esteem that I had for any working newspaper reporters. So that was that was a gut punch, especially when you consider this is a guy who a former addict who had very publicly talked about his recovery and 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 then you know something just random happens to him at his desk and he's gone at what 53 something like that yeah. i mean and it's just it, it's been a weird you know like i mean i grew up a huge fan of the portland trailblazers as a kid growing up on the oregon coast and and jerome kersey dies uh in similarly random fashion the other day and and that you know, slayed me. That that just I mean, I have such memories of Jerome Kersey running the floor with with Clyde Drexler and and and, and Kevin Duckworth, who has also died. And and like, we used to go to Dairy Queen in Oregon, and they would give out like you'd get your happy meal, not a happy meal at Dairy Queen, but your you get, your, your meal. And there would be these commemorative cups. Yeah, right? and they had these commemorative glasses Glass of all cups. of all the Blazers. And so like each one, so I still have them like at my mom's house, like Buck Williams, uh, Jerome Kersey, Terry Porter. Um, Clyde so like it, it does make you kind of think about the randomness and, and kind of what you do now and how you can, I mean, how you can preserve yourself for later. But it's also like, sometimes it's just over and, and it, it does make you not to get super somber here, but like then like you can get very metaphysical and the meaning of life and all of that, which I will spare. I will spare um, absolutely no one from because no one is listening anymore. <laughs> well, I think that you bringing up Kirstie is a good point though, because we've talked about it before, Ben, about, you know, those sports athletes of your childhood and you feel like you have this connection to them sure. and that you love them and that they're such an important part of your life, even though you, you, you've never met the person in your life and then they do die and you find yourself kind of emotional. And yeah, I think part of it is, you know, you kind of realize, Oh, you know, I was part of my childhood that's gone now. And 
but th- you do have an attachment to them, even though you have no idea anything about them. I mean, it was it was the same, you know, on a different level when Ken Griffey Jr. retired. Yeah. You know, I mean, I just, I loved Junior. It was, you know, I was I was 12 years old, like when they made that playoff run in '97, and I was in the fifth grade, and I remember watching them play the Orioles. Like for whatever reason, Mrs. Ziegler, my fifth grade teacher, was like, "Yeah, we're gonna just take the afternoon and watch and watch the Mariners in the playoffs." I grew up in Oregon. That's not even in the same state. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, kind of as a regional yeah. um, camaraderie. Um, I love Junior. And, and he's, it's like when the time comes in 40 years, you know, when, when he passes or when um, when Clyde Drexler or Buck Williams, who was my favorite, you know, when, like, I mean, that'll, that'll, that'll hit really close to home. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's it, – I think for Bill, for you, and for Aaron, where you guys are dealing it, – it, someone like Kobe Bryant – there are a whole lot of people that will have that exact same reaction that that you will have for Buck Williams mm-hmm. with with Kobe, and yet they don't know how he is, um, and yet you know you, you do get that opportunity to interact with him. Whether it you know it, it isn't it isn't the most real. Um, you don't. It isn't like you know the inner workings of Kobe Bryant, but you are around him and you do see his public persona right. in a much. It's interesting because way. because when you are around professional athletes, and this is not a new conversation by any by any by any stretch, but when you are around professional athletes, they, the veneer and kind of the awe does, does start to go away. So, so whereas for me, like Jerome Kersey was like untouchable, like I would be more awkward approaching Jerome Kersey before he died and and saying Mm -hmm. hello than I am about, you know, anybody I'm around or like, like anybody in a current NBA locker room, because there's awkward humans like the rest of us, just, just like hoping to avoid conflict and not wanting to talk to people they don't want to talk to and and playing Candy Crush. Like they're no different from us, right? (laughs) Except for their boats and bars um, but, but um they own them instead of just visiting right yeah. right what is the ideal bachelor party i don't know i was gonna look into like a space shuttle <laughs> I, you that that the luster that does come off I, I think that just a lot of it is from just being around mm-hmm. them a lot and and when you when you do cover a team you travel with the team you see those guys constantly the of the team that you cover you really do kind of realize you know what he's having a bad day just like i had a bad day because you know sure mark madsen stole my keys or whatever but it, it it's a but, you, but what you develop is a different kind of admiration like yeah. you, like you, you become you become much more appreciative of like of the work and the process yeah. that goes into this team coming together and right. because like there's a there's one less wall there like it's not like you you dislike them as opposed to the way you used to idolize them it's just that you yeah. you it's it's not the same kind of like looking up to them way that you you, you used to as a kid or just as a fan like as a grown up fan. Um, it's 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 an interesting dynamic. I mean, and and it's a thrill and it's it's an honor to 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 some extent to be able to have that relationship with somebody like Kobe Bryant, who I mean, not a great relationship, but somebody like you said, like like I mean, there are people who would who would absolutely like sell body parts. Yeah, and like not just like kidneys. I mean, they probably like get rid of like toes and legs right. just to meet Kobe once. Um, like I, I, I posted an Instagram photo a while ago. It was actually the night Kobe tore his rotator cuff, but it was like, I'm standing in a hallway and Kobe was walking by. I thought it was kind of a good photo. So I Instagrammed it. And, and somebody commented like, I've always wanted to be that close to him, which I get. But like in that moment when that photo was taken, I didn't realize Kobe'd walk past. Like right. you just like, you have kind of blinders to certain things yeah. because it's kind of the norm. Yeah. And, and I think the, I think you, you develop a different appreciation, like you were saying in that, uh, as a fan, when uh, when a team comes, for instance, the Lakers and Kobe Bryant in his prime when he came, you wanted to go see Kobe Bryant do something special. Sure. You wanted to see that what why he was one of the greatest players on the court at, at the time. 
And so you go, and then if he didn't score 60 points, you were disappointed. But you, you where you do travel with him, you're like, yeah, what you don't realize is they got in at about 5 right. o'clock in the morning right. and then came right to the arena because they had a game last night, too, where he did score 60, mm. and tonight he, the dude could barely even walk. But, like, but, but then he still goes out and like puts on – some right. level of a show I right. mean, that's that's incredible i mean when you deal with like the what what sticking with kobe like what he had to what he had to do this season to play the 35 games he played to get his body ready the amount of preparation the amount of like stretching yeah. the ice baths um it's unthinkable that's why i have a, such a hard time seeing him playing beyond next year at, which is the last year of his contract mm-hmm. you know it's, it's something people really enjoy talking about now if like he would come back for another year and it's like he said like he can barely get out of bed after playing a right. game like why would he do that yet again, unless there's like a championship just like right dangling in front of them. Like if they get Kevin Durant and and uh, Goran Dragic, right? And then it's like, and then Kobe can come back and be the sixth man or something like that. Yeah. It's so hard to see him coming back. It, it, the, the amount of physical abuse that a professional athlete that a professional athlete puts himself through is ridiculous. And Not, basketball isn't even the worst. You watch football, the beating it constantly running into a brick wall. It's it's no way, no thanks. Yeah. Well, I think good way to go out. I'm out of coffee. We're out of coffee. All right, well, Billy, thanks for joining us. Uh, Benjamin. Good to, have, good to have you back on the property. Uh, if people want to follow you on Twitter, it's at Bill Orm. B-I-L-L-O-R-A-M. Uh, at Trip Jazz to follow Mr. Uh, Aaron Fall. Kwin Mo is at Kevin Winter Morris. And uh, I'm at Benny Raskin. Thanks for listening. Uh, go to iTunes, subscribe to the show, rate, review. Uh, go ahead and give us the five-star rating and kill us in the comment sections. And uh, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. For Tribune Sports Radio, this is Ben Raskin. Our weekly podcast is recorded every Tuesday. Subscribe to the show on iTunes at Trib Sports Radio. And while you're there, please rate the show and give us some comments to help improve the podcast. All of our reporters' work can be found at sltrib.com. Please follow us on Twitter at Trib Sports Radio. Tweet us questions and the fellows will be happy to answer them. Or if you feel like writing an email, send it to Tribune Sports Radio, all one word, at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.